Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Climate change matters to a majority of Americans. Just a couple years ago, nearly six out of 10 registered voters viewed climate change as an emergency. That's according to a Quinnipiac University poll. So what's being done about it? Here in Connecticut, the governor had committed to a cap on pollution program known as TCI, or the Transportation and Climate Initiative, to reduce emissions by more than a quarter from motor, motor vehicles over 10 years. The money it generated from wholesale fuel suppliers would go towards increasing access to cleaner transportation options. But Connecticut needed legislative approval to implement the regional plan, and that didn't happen this session. Opponents framed the program as, quote, a gas tax, and majority Democrats, the leadership, did not call TCI for a vote. Today, where we live, we'll talk to environmental advocates about their next steps, and you can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. You can share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at Where We Live. Joining us on Zoom is Amy McLean. She's Connecticut State Director and Senior Policy Advocate for Acadia Center. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's such an opportunity. I so appreciate it. And Alex Rodriguez is also here. He's a climate advocate with Save the Sound. Alex, welcome to where we live. Lucy, great to be here on the show with you this morning. Now, I know there are residents in our state who may have been hearing about TCI or the Transportation and Climate Initiative for the first time this past year. But Amy, uh, the work on this regional plan has been going on for some time. So explain to us how it would have worked. Well, thank you. Um, yes, it has been going on for some time. In fact, um, six to eight years uh, regionally, this has been worked on. And in Connecticut, we really ramped up this effort about two years ago and, and working with a huge coalition of folks that has built over time, uh, folks that have never stopped working on this and won't stop, even though uh, we weren't able to get that legislation this session. Uh, Transportation Climate Initiative is the first of its kind multi-state bipartisan effort to reduce carbon emissions from gas and diesel powered cars, diesel fueled trucks and other heavy vehicles and increase investments in equitable, cleaner and more resilient transportation system. So initially um, there were 13 uh, states that were involved, but now then three Northeast states and the District of Columbia signed on to the initiative uh, in December, Connecticut being one of them. And frankly, Connecticut had been a leader and is still going to be as soon as we can get past this little hiccup. Uh, So what does it do? It accomplishes five things. And I agree with you that I think this is a complicated uh, program but it's also something that is market-based and it's not something that is going to be uh, a tax or anything like that. Um, So it does these following things. Greenhouse, it it accomplishes five things. Greenhouse gas emissions reductions from the transportation sector, improvement in air quality and public health, 
investments in more modernized transportation choices, including bikeways, pedestrian walkways, electric vehicles, and public transit, mass transit, very important. Job creation and more economic opportunity and equity, most important as well. Equity for communities hurt by the most air pollution and the underserved and overburdened systems. So we need to have better solutions right now for Connecticut. Um, we don't have any tools because this was uh, not passed as of right now. When we talk about uh, the emissions and the reductions that are needed, uh, I'm wondering if you can just break it down further. When we think about transportation, how much of the emissions comes from transportation alone in our region? Forty um, percent of our of our carbon emissions are from transportation sector, and this is actually the worst kind because it's particulate matter, and it is the cause, leading cause of asthma in most of our urban cities in Waterbury and Hartford and in New Haven. I'm glad you brought up the health impacts, uh, Amy, because I know in this conversation that you know lawmakers have been having and, and, and a lot of the coverage, I don't feel like that's really been focused. And so I'm wondering, Alex, uh, if you could chime in when you talk when we think about all the benefits that Amy um, has laid out to TCI. When we think about uh, the people that are impacted with this transportation emissions in our region. Alex, can you hear me? Oh, it looks like Alex is muted. Alex, can you unmute? Uh, yes. Sorry about that. My uh, connection went unstable for a moment. Uh, you were speaking about the uh, health impacts. Yes, Lucy? Yes, go ahead. I, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, uh, this past session, uh, I had been working with, uh, with my team uh, to recruit sign-ons from medical and healthcare professionals in support of the Transportation and Climate Initiative. Uh, there was at least 50 sign-ons from doctors, uh, from nurses, CNAs, LPNs that support the Transportation and Climate Initiative because many, um, many people working in healthcare um, do astounding work uh, to treat the illnesses um, that patients are suffering. However, they would also, they have also expressed a willingness um, to play a role in reducing the health hazards uh, impacting people in our most um, environmentally distressed communities. Uh, if you take the last year, uh, COVID-19 and, um, and the disproportionate um, effects of it, in uh, in our urban areas uh, is astounding. Uh, it is no secret that those uh, suffering uh, from pre-existing conditions are more vulnerable to COVID-19 and uh, other uh, respiratory-related uh, fatalities. So when we talk about uh, the way this program would have worked, again, wholesale fuel suppliers uh, paying uh, for uh, the pollution that these extra emissions create, but then that money generated, uh, Amy, would then be reinvested not only in cleaner transportation options, but also looking at these, uh, these communities that are experiencing high rates of pollution. 
Yes, that's correct. So the original TCI had a set aside of 35% of the of the resources proceeds that were generated from this um, investment. Uh, that 50% is what Connecticut decided to put forward. So 50% of the um, revenue raised would go to the most um, Im impacted by uh, the transportation issues, uh, transportation emissions. So that, let me just give you an example. Um, so in 2023, or uh, just thereafter, when this went into effect, if we had passed it this session, um, there would be about $89 million. And I know that this has been a talking point for um, Governor Lamont, who is supportive, by the way, of this program and also his administration. Never, never wavered on it. Um, we do need a little bit more of a, an elbow, but other than that, um, we appreciate very much his support. So if you have $89 million coming in um, and half of that is going toward the most impacted communities, that would be 40, $45 million. And that would go to things like um, uh, you know, better public transit. Um, right now our bus situation is not great. We would electrify all of our buses. That would be both public and, and the school buses, which spew diesel all over the place in areas and it's without, you know, no abatement on that. So it would go toward um, air monitoring systems in most of the areas that are most impacted by the highways, which uh, they all sort of meet in Hartford. Let's use Hartford as an example. Think about the highway system that just sort of surrounds the whole city. Those are all that emissions is just flowing in. And that is what the problem is, because we are being we're being inundated by these missions in places like that. Mm. Uh, Alex, in your role as a climate advocate for Save the Sound, I understand you were helping advise the state in these environmental justice programs and how this money would be invested. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk about what happened this session that the lawmakers would not call this for a vote. Yes. Uh, so. At the beginning of the legislative session, the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, uh, under the leadership of Commissioner Dykes, uh, convened uh, weekly meetings with environmental justice advocates, uh, myself included, uh, because we um, we recognized uh, that there were um, communities that weren't so aware of this uh, of this program, and so we we wanted to make sure that we could come back to our communities and give them um, a just um, description of what was really happening here and what we what we would report back to our communities after meeting with uh, commissioner dykes uh would be this um you know this program is meant to cap pollution on the biggest polluters and require that they pay for clean transportation um, technologies uh, to avert um, health-related um, illnesses uh, in respiratory-related illnesses in our communities. Uh, I I feel um, I feel honored to have been uh, a part of that. Uh, the conversations are going to continue. Um, I was asked uh, to be a part of these weekly meetings because. I had previously played a role in supporting Middletown procuring Connecticut's first electric school bus. Uh, this was a this was a three-year-long campaign that came to fruition uh, this past February, 
where it was unveiled by Datco in Middletown. Amy, and I'll so, ask you. Oh, go ahead, Alex. Oh, I'm sorry. And so TCI is a vehicle to support more um, clean transportation infrastructure, such as that bus uh, and such as the uh, two, uh, maybe three transit buses, electric transit buses that were unveiled by Greater Bridgeport Transit Authority uh, in the city of Bridgeport this past year. There's great stuff going on uh, for clean transportation in Connecticut, but TCI provides us the funding to get there. And and so then, Alex, why did this not get called up for a vote in your understanding? In my understanding, it, this was not this was not called for a vote because Senate and House leadership outwardly told the public in not so many words that they didn't have the votes, uh, which is which is a gross fallacy. Uh they they certainly did have the votes uh, to make this happen. Um, we were we were talking to every senator. Every uh, looks like Alex's connection dropped. So so Amy, I'll ask you the same question. Your understanding, uh, working with the Acadia Center, uh, talking with lawmakers and other environmental groups, uh, you know why this did not get called for a vote if there are so many benefits uh, for not only our region but for uh, residents in our state. Yeah, I, I think I'm blown away by the decisions that were made this session on climate bills, not just this one, but um, we really missed an opportunity here and uh, we we do know that and we feel strongly that um, the failure to pass this important incredibly you know once you know best stuff in a decade legislation on climate it squarely falls on the shoulders of the senate leadership and um, we are sad to say that the true losers then are the connecticut residents uh, including those uh, who are going to continue to breathe some of the most polluted air in the nation. We have two or three of the worst um, environmental for uh, air pollution towns, cities in this in this state. And uh, the obligation of people in power uh, to address this and to give us an opportunity to change that, it was there. And we did, and Alex is correct, we did do a lot of talking to all senators. A lot of the senators focused on the Senate because it was a Senate bill. Um, they decided to put it into the budget. And that uh, was a decision that was made for many reasons. And this is all you know, internal decision making. The bill itself was a standalone bill. It was called SB 884. And it, it went into the budget. And when it got into the budget, it was then used as a tool to get other things. This is often what happens in politics. But with this one, it, it seems it's unconscionable. And uh, we are extraordinarily disappointed with the folks that did not make the right decision as far as we were concerned. They also decided to listen to the opposition. And let me tell you a little bit about the opposition. They're industrial lobbyists and they are behind a well-financed opposition to, modernize our trans to modernizing our transportation system. These companies, make no mistake, they make money when we spend more time in driving less efficient fuel um, cars and trucks. When we sit in traffic, they profit. When we, when electric vehicles and bike paths and safe streets are stymied, they win. Our loss is their gain 
We need to do better than that and make the polluters pay. When we talk about uh, leadership that did not call this for a vote and the internal decisions, when we talk about the opponents, uh, Amy, to TCI, where they called TCI a gas tax, uh, this idea that fuel suppliers would pass on uh, their their costs to uh, people buying gasoline, uh, my understanding is that the cost would maybe be five cents and could be up to nine cents uh, that maybe residents would be able would be paying um, if TCI was implemented. Can you talk about that and and why they, they, the opponents were able to sway lawmakers by using this rhetoric? Well, there's a, that's a lot. That's a big question. <laughs> and I have lots of answers, but I'll just address the first part. Um, so it's not a tax on gasoline. Mm-hmm. It's a fee on corporate polluters. TC and TCI involves a fee for gasoline and diesel fuel suppliers holding allowances. There is no requirement that suppliers pass this fee on to the public. And even if they do, what you just said is five cents, possibly more, but that is, um, that's a few pennies on a gallon, right? So, and so, but I think the second part to my answer is, if you remember, we had a very big backlash and sort of rising up against tolls a couple of years ago, right? So a couple of years ago, there was a constituency that decided they were going to kill tolls. And they did, but they were organized and this is how it works. They were already organized and then they were funded through means that we we can only guess at. Uh, We have some ideas, but they were funded, they were organized, and then they used the same talking points, you know, say no to gas tax, because that's, that, that resonates with people. It's a scary idea and it makes people think, I already pay too much in one way or another in this state. I don't want another one. But we have to understand that's a gross misrepresentation of what TCI is. You're hearing Amy McLean here on Where We Live as we talk about the Transportation and Climate Initiative. This is a regional plan uh, to put a cap on pollution uh, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in our region. Uh, in Connecticut, uh, the legislature needed to approve this before the state could really start to implement this plan. That didn't even get called for a vote this session. Uh, Alex Rodriguez is back, but he's on the phone with us now. He's a climate advocate with Save the Sound. Uh, let me ask you, Alex, uh, when we, we talk about uh, what happened in this uh, regular session and then now the special session I believe um, again there was another special session just to deal with talking about a different issue which is legalizing uh, cannabis but it seemed like TCA, TCI got caught up in the the Democrats fight with the governor over raising taxes on the wealthy uh, I want to quote from a Connecticut Mirror art- article where Senator Looney who's the Senate uh, president uh, said that um, if Lamont insisted tax hikes on the rich would hurt the economy. Tax hikes of any kind should be off the table. Looney was quoted as saying, if we're not talking revenues, then we're not talking revenues. And so the idea that, you know, maybe five cents or more would go to consumers and could hurt, uh, especially low income residents. If the government governor was really committed to this, Alex, should he have bent a little on some of the, the Democrats proposals to raise uh, taxes on on higher income individuals? So that's a that's a great question. Um, I think in my official capacity as a climate advocate with Save the Sound, I can't really uh, remark uh, too much on uh, what we believe uh, on um, fair taxation. Um, I think 
I think that the governor, I think that the, the House and Senate leadership, um, I, I think they should all uh, should have all um, gotten this over the finish line. Um, it's it's absolutely uh, ridiculous that uh, that we did not uh, get this pass in the regular session uh, nor the special session. Uh, this is we need climate accountability um, because we need to um, we need to support Connecticut by preparing um, preparing to avert uh, future climate disasters, and we can only do that through the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so I, it, to put it short, I do, um, I, I do fault, uh, Lamont, uh, personally, uh, for, uh, for this as well. Um, however, I do put more, more blame on, uh, Senator Looney, uh, for, um, strong arming, uh, the conversation. He, he knows that this, that TCI is not a gas tax. He knows it. However, he bought into the opposition's talking point um, to really strong on the, the conversation. You're hearing Alex Rodriguez again, a climate advocate with Save the Sound. Amy McLean is here, Connecticut State Director and Senior Policy Advocate for Acadia Center. We're going to continue talking after the break. So what happens now with the Transportation and Climate Initiative, even if uh, the state legislature didn't vote on the state formally working to implement a plan? The idea, the program doesn't go away. We're going to talk about next steps, and we're going to hear from a student committed to environmental justice in our state to talk about Connecticut's efforts. You can join us, too. 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at Where We Live. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're talking about whether state lawmakers are serious about climate change and ways to reduce Connecticut's greenhouse gas emissions and invest in a cleaner transportation system. The program with that goal is known as TCI, or the Transportation and Climate Initiative. Last December, Governor Lamont signed an initial agreement to join along with Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and D.C. But Connecticut can't formally implement the regional program without legislative approval, and lawmakers 
lawmakers did not call TCI for a vote this session. We're talking about this with environmental advocates today on Zoom. Amy McLean, Connecticut State Director and Senior Policy Advocate for Acadia Center. On the phone, Alex Rodriguez, Climate Advocate with Save the Sound. Uh, Amy, I wanted to ask you, you know, this is being framed in the media and other places that because the vote didn't happen, this regular session and the special session, that TCI is, quote, dead in Connecticut. Is that a fair characterization? What could be some possible next steps? Um, well, so it was a power struggle, and the Senate leadership failed us. Uh, but the people of Connecticut need this transformative program, and the Senate's leadership, uh, the Senate uh, leadership's job is just not done. They can still do it, but they can do right by us, and we're not going away. So, as Alex alluded to, we are we are going to be continuing to keep. Connecticut as one of the leaders in this effort, give leadership and other state uh, decision makers the opportunity to learn more about what the details are. I think because there were so many um, barriers to being able to access our legislators this year, I don't know if people know this, but it was a virtual session, quote unquote. And we as people who are trying to get things done and talk to our decision makers were not allowed in the building. Um, and we were limited to just, you know, phone calls into the LOB, which is the legislative office building, to staff um, that weren't there because they don't answer the phone. So we had to rely on messages that you weren't sure if they were getting there or not. So then you're reduced to emails to um, their state government um, emails. So we did a lot of social media and we're going to continue to raise awareness for decision makers so they can feel that they have all of the information they need. Um, the, the Matt Ritter, Speaker Matt Ritter, he said they didn't have enough information. Well, beyond the fact that we've been actually messaging this now for very six months, very heavily, but two years above that, it's it's kind of like it's just not. It wasn't being thought about. It's not that there wasn't enough information. No one actually had the ability to look at it because they were getting mixed messages from the Senate. So I talked to a House person, a House leader or a House representative yesterday who said we were being given the information that the votes weren't there in the Senate. And that was what uh, Alex said earlier. That wasn't true. So that gives us as advocates the advantage because we have a running list of state lawmakers who have said yes to this. And what we're going to do is continue to meet with them both individually, possibly by Zoom, webinars, possibly in person, and continue this information, dissemination, understanding, have them be giving us the questions that are tough. If you don't understand it, you don't vote for it. I get that because nobody wants to feel like they don't know what they're talking about. We are here to give you information. Please reach out to us. We want to reach out to you. So if they can call it a special session to uh, pass a bill to legalize cannabis, do you think that they can get serious enough to pass this TCI in a special session, Amy, or is that off the table? Um, I'm an optimist, so I'm going to say they can do that if they really want to. But you're not hearing that as of now. Uh, I can say no, I have not. Yeah. 
Uh, Alex, I'll go back to you. Um, I know you work with a lot of young people on climate change issues. You think there's a generational difference in terms of how seriously uh, residents are are taking climate change seriously? And when we think about who's in the state capitol, uh, who's in the leadership versus the people you're talking to in communities who are really worried about climate change as an existential threat to our state. Absolutely. I think there is, um, I think there's a noticeable difference in um, anxiety uh, toward the climate crisis. Many people, many people my age and um, many Gen Zers, they fear, they fear for their future. Uh, they feel similarly to that of Greta Thunberg, uh, who famously said you're, to the UN, you're taking our future away from us. Um, uh, I can say that uh, some of the younger legislators, uh, such as Senator Haskell, have uh, spoken uh, great um, in support of TCI, and they put their votes uh, where where their mouth is um, because they acknowledge that the climate crisis is an existential threat, and uh, TCI was uh, one vehicle uh, towards mitigating that threat. Um, and so, really, I, I must, uh, you know, I must uh, echo Amy's uh, optimism earlier. It, we are hoping that, that the legislature comes back for a special session. I spoke to two uh, state representatives that said, you know, we want to come back to get CCI done. However, it is in Senate leadership's hands, and um, and if that is and that is the case, so. It, I, I think the Senate leadership and the House leadership should know that we voters will be looking at climate change as a bigger issue uh, in next year's uh, state ele- elections, and they need to put their votes where their mouth is uh, immediately. They need to develop uh, longer climate resiliency and climate action plans uh, to combat the crisis. Uh, we won't stand for anything less. You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I wanted to get another voice in this conversation, uh, one of the young people that I just referenced. Dave John Cruz Bustamante is a student at Wilbur Cross High School in New Haven, a community organizer with Sunrise New Haven, and an operations apprentice at the Citywide Youth Coalition. Dave, welcome to our show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So you're a young person and you're involved in climate activism. So how do you respond when uh, you see what's happening or not happening at the state capitol and looking at other initiatives uh, to help uh, uh, our uh, environment? Um, I, you know what? I'd say the first emotion is anger um, and some sort of despair. You know, it's, it's very disappointing, but not super surprising um, to see politicians uh, playing God when it comes to the lives of people, of black and brown children, of working class families. Um, And this is just one example of that. Um, But, you know, at the same time, I think it's important to uh, not fall into despair uh, because it's very, very easy to do that. And, you know, if they keep knocking us down, then I guess we'll just keep getting up. You know what I mean? Um, And, of course, I'm sure there'll be other initiatives and other, other bills that will come into fruition and even maybe even reviving uh, the TCI, that'll, be, that'll help us in doing that and mitigating the climate crisis. 
When you think about climate justice in your community, uh, Dave, uh, I'm wondering if you can talk about some of the issues that you're most concerned about. Of course. You know, um, I think when a lot of people, you know, especially older folks, think about uh, environmentalism, climate justice, um, the first thing that comes up in many people's heads is, you know, like tree-hugging people who, you know, are first concerned with, like, the birds and the animals and the environment. And I think that is extremely, extremely important. Um, but I think one distinction with environmentalism and climate justice is that climate justice not only focuses on our climate and our immediate environment, nature, um, but it also focuses on the social aspects, too, um, because all of these systems overlap with each other. They're all interconnected. Um, and I think one of the bigger issues in my city, especially in my neighborhood, is, you know, Public safety is one of them, um, as well as air pollution. There are a lot of um, children, uh, disproportionately black and brown children, who are hospitalized for asthma compared to white children. Um, and I think that's an important fact to bring up because, you know, that kind of shows a more um, systemic issue at hand. But I think in, in my immediate community, I think one of the biggest problems is public safety, uh, pollution, and food security at this time especially. You know, there has been a lot of hardship, and there's always been hardship um, and poverty in New Haven. Those are some great points that you brought up, Dave. Uh, Kevin on Twitter, uh, he sent us a message, you know, a lot more than just TCI wasn't passed. There's a moratorium on fossil fuel plants, emission standards for trucks, including e-bikes in the cheaper program, if I'm saying that correctly. So there, there's a lot at stake, uh, not just focusing on TCI, Dave. Exactly, yes. And, you know, um, the organization that I'm a part of, Sunrise, we talk a lot, a lot about a Green New Deal. Um, and I think a lot of people think of the Green New Deal as one piece of paper, one piece of legislation that single-handedly transforms our society. Um, and that's not the case. You know, as we've seen with the New Deal before around, you know, after the Great Depression, um, it wasn't one single piece of legislation. It was a variety of bills and laws that were passed in Congress federally um, throughout the decade. And I think that's what we'll be seeing in, the, in this upcoming decade, too, you know. I think a lot of people, especially younger people, um, feel the climate anxiety, but I think a lot of them are also energized uh, by it and, you know, really transforming our society. I think uh, a lot of people are waking up to the inequalities, the the unnecessary suffering that a lot of community members face. Um, and so, yes, there is still a lot of hope um, to have still. You know, there's still a multitude of other bills that address the problems that we have in our society. So, um, of course, like I said, you know, if we keep getting knocked down, we'll just get back up. That's Dave John Cruz Bustamante, a student at Wilbur Cross High School in New Haven, a community organizer with Sunrise New Haven. Dave, thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Take care, y'all. This is where we live. Today we're getting reaction from environmental groups about the legislature's failure to vote on a bill that would have enabled Connecticut to implement a cap and invest program known as TCI, focused on reducing transportation emissions. Alex Rodriguez would save the sound. I wanted to go back to you. If you could respond to what uh, Dave shared, especially when we think about air pollution, I'm wondering if you could talk more about um, how, um, if TCI were implemented, how would the state monitor pollution and, and see whether it's reduced in these communities hardest hit? Uh, yes, so um, uh, so as Amy uh, mentioned earlier in the conversation, 
there would be funding available uh, to support um, there would be funding to support air quality monitoring along the most uh, polluted transportation corridors. But you know uh, something special about TCI is the um, is the growing uh, progress uh, that environmental justice advocates uh, made in our conversations uh, with DEEP um, and when we were discussing it with the environment committee chairs and the transportation committee chairs. Um, we we procured uh, language um, uh, in the bill to you know support 50% of the TCI auction revenue going toward communities uh, most overburdened and underserved by trans by the transportation system, and in addition to that, um, securing um, in equity and environmental justice working group made up of representatives uh, from communities overburdened by transportation pollution and underserved by the transportation system. There is um, there is a seat for a wide demographic of people uh, who want a better transportation system, who want clean transportation and want to do something about the climate crisis. Um, these are not uh, mutually exclusive topics. Um, the representation, a wide array of representation is greatly needed on that board uh, so that our state leaders know what is most pressing in terms of uh, infrastructure improvements uh, because uh, Governor Lamont uh, said it best at the beginning of the session, uh, these decisions should be looked at through the lens of green jobs, environmental justice, and public health. And TCI was a vehicle for all three of those things. Mm. Uh, Amy, I wanted to go back to you, Amy McLean, Connecticut State Director and Senior Policy Advocate for Acadia Center. Uh, Gary called in, wasn't able to hold, but uh, he wanted to share. He believes this is a tax. TCI is a tax and thinks that guests are misrepresenting that by saying it's not a tax. And he wants to know how much of pollution comes out of the state and how much of this pollution comes from large trucks versus regular drivers. Can you address that? Um, actually, trucks are the bigger of the uh, um, pollution emitters, along with buses, just purely because they're bigger and that's they use diesel fuels and so on. But um, as far as it not being a tax, it, 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 it you know, I don't know how else to say it. Um, it. It is not because this is not being mandated to be passed on to uh, the residents. It's the no requirement that suppliers pass along this fee to the public. If gas suppliers want to pass it on to the public, um, uh, they can, but it's not, but it's expected to be minimal. There was a study that was done that was debunked um, at, from Tufts University that uh, modeled the, uh, the, the uh, increase potentially to be 35 cents. And it was not too long after it was released that the um, the actual author retracted it and said, uh, yeah, no, I was using the wrong numbers, sorry. So what happened then was that word had already gotten out there. That was a way to be able to, you know, frame the issue. Um, I'm not gonna tell Gary that, I think it was Gary, that, you know, he can't look at it as a tax, but it just isn't. Uh, one more for you, Amy, before we uh, have to go to break. Uh, we know that uh, Connecticut's already part of a regional initiative at 
curbing carbon emissions called REGI, Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. And we've seen in our state that some of those funds from that program that were supposed to go towards Connecticut's energy efficient audits, uh, that the legislature raided some of those funds. And so when, when the public hears that, and then we're hearing about a new program, TCI, and money generated to be reinvested in communities, is, you know, is it problematic where you can see where the public doesn't have trust that the lawmakers will do what the program intends? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand their frustration. Um, we were extraordinarily frustrated with the fact that those those funds were raided. Um, they also raided uh, actually other funds too that were not supposed to be used for anything but those programs as well. Um, that's a failure, in my opinion, of keeping things as a priority when you are in a, a decision-making role. Uh, there was pressure on uh, the legislature to fill a real hole in their budget. They saw this pot of money and they said, oh, let's take that. And, you know, there was an outcry when that happened. I believe it was 2017 and um, it was railed against. But just as in this session, in my opinion, um, they didn't have the strength to stand up to it. They didn't they couldn't find the answers that were um, uh, better answers. And so for the public to mistrust uh, some of the decisions that lawmakers make, that's understandable. I'm not going to say that they shouldn't be wary, but I will say that if you want to live in a, um, a state, in a region, in a country where we are going to be healthy and not be sickened by our transportation emissions, then you need to be brave as lawmakers and make the right choices and don't raid pots of money. That this particular um, uh, resource would go into a special transportation fund that exists and is not allowed to be taken any money out of. So it's like it's different than Reggie. Um, so it, it is there's another protected uh, sort of protection there. So I don't think the likelihood of this being raided is as high um, as it could be if it wasn't in the special transportation fund. We'll have to leave it there. It's been an interesting conversation. And of course, we'll we'll return to TCI to see what happens in our state and the region. Thank you, Amy McLean, Connecticut State Director and Senior Policy Advocate for Acadia Center. Also, thanks to Alex Rodriguez, Climate Advocate with Save the Sound. Now, coming up after the break, we'll talk to a Rhode Island reporter about how that state will approach the Transportation and Climate Initiative known as TCI. You can join us too. find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Rhode Island is one of the three states plus D.C. that signed a memorandum of understanding to work on implementing the Transportation and Climate Initiative in their jurisdictions. As we've learned, Connecticut needs legislative approval, and that didn't happen this session. In Massachusetts, Governor Baker has the authority to become a part of an interstate compact on his own, without legislative approval. So what's happening in Rhode Island? Joining us now on Zoom is Alex Kufner. He's an environment reporter for the Providence Journal. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So what is the reaction in Rhode Island to what happened or didn't happen in Connecticut? Yeah, I mean, I think I think with the, the legislators and the advocates to support the program, there's been a lot of disappointment. Um, they feel that 
you know, they they were counting on Connecticut moving this forward to give uh, some momentum to what was going on in Rhode Island. And um, I think I think there were already questions about, you know, whether this was going to go forward in this um, legislative session um, and, the you know, what happened in Connecticut only only sort of set things back even more here. Now, when the MOU was signed by Rhode Island, now you have a new governor. So how does that change the calculus here? Yeah, I think that that delayed things, certainly. I mean, we had, you know, when uh, Gina Raimondo Raimondo signed the uh, MOU back in December, and then she was tapped as uh, President Biden's Commerce Secretary, so she left in, uh, you know, early March. Uh, We had a new governor who had been briefed on the program, um, but uh, he hadn't come out in support of it. Um, And I've been told, you know, I mean, he has come out publicly um, since then. So in, in May, mid-May, he uh, said he supported it. And uh, just last night, I was talking to some environmental officials who said he uh, he is fully fully behind the program. Apparently, he's uh, he's written an op-ed with with Ned Lamont and Charlie Baker, sort of uh, avowing their support for the for the program. I don't think it's been published yet. Um, so so he supports it. Um, but I think it took a while maybe to bring him up to speed. So that that delayed things. We were also in, in our legislative session, we were in the middle of passing, um, you know, what's considered here landmark climate legislation to uh, enact mandatory emissions reductions. Um, so that took uh, took a lot of time and took and took a lot of attention, I think, away from away from TCI. And now um, you know, it's, it's really late in the session here. Um, so, you know, I don't think, well, I, I'm, I'm almost certain nothing's going to get done, um, you know, before, before they, before they adjourn in June. Um, that being said, you know, the, the legislation is moving in the Senate. So actually just last night, um, it cleared the the Senate Environment Committee, which means it's going to go to a floor vote in the Senate on Tuesday. And um, it looks like, you know, it they do have the votes to get this passed. Um, but what happens there is, is going to be meaningless unless things move forward in the House. And, um, you know, the bill hasn't even gotten a hearing in the House yet. Let's talk about Charlie Baker and, and Mass, because, uh, again, he can implement uh, this plan without legislative approval. But hasn't he expressed reluctance in the past that if other states don't come along, that, that puts Mass in a bad position? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the way that the TCI, the MOU is written, I think they need three jurisdictions to, mm-hmm. to go forward with it. Um, so... Um, you know, you, I think there's that basic part of the MOU right there, but I, I think also, you know, it, it seems to me that it, that every, you know, every state in DC is sort of looking to each other to, you know, they, no one wants to sort of go out first. Um, I think behind the scenes, again, I've been told that in, that in mass that they are, you know, moving forward sort of behind the scenes and, and, and they're fully committed to this. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, pulling the trigger on it, I, yeah, I haven't seen anything yet. When we look at Reggie again, this other multi-state uh, agreement to reduce, put a cap on emissions, what's different when we think about TCI? Is it because there is this question of consumers having to pay a little bit more at the gas pump? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, I think, you know, arguably, you know, Reggie, you know, would do that too. Um, I think... 
I don't know. I don't know if it's just a psychological thing that, that we don't feel it as much because, you know, we just get, you know, our electric bill, you know, after the fact rather than, you know, with with gas, we go to the pump and we may see the effect as we're, you know, pumping for gas. I, I don't know, you know, the reason why, but it does seem like Reggie, Reggie went through um, again, even though Reggie got off to sort of a, a, a modest start, there are only a few states that, that joined at the beginning and then it's grown since then. But it just didn't sort of feel like there was, um, I don't know, as much opposition around it. It seemed to, you know, maybe it seemed a little bit easier. I'm not, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Last question for you, Alex. We heard earlier that transportation accounts for nearly 40% of Connecticut's carbon footprint. Is that similar in Rhode Island? And without something like TCI, how will any of these states reach these emission reduction targets? Right. So it is the same in Rhode Island. Um, and so you need you need something, um, whether it's TCI or something else, you need to do something. And, you know, in, in all these states now, um, you know, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, we, we have mandatory emissions reductions targets. So how are you going to get there unless you pass something that addresses transportation? And, you know, there is you know, this opposition that's out there, but I haven't seen any of them suggest an alternative. Um, So, you know, even even if you even if you don't support this as a as a policy goal, well, it is law now in in these states um, and something needs to be done. And I'm not sure, um, you know, what that is if it's not if it's not TCI. And just to remind our listeners here in Connecticut, in 2018, Governor Malloy signed into law the mandatory emissions reduction target of 45 percent below 2001 levels by 2030. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how uh, Connecticut handles that. And um, if it's mandatory, what happens if these states don't meet these goals? I want to thank Alex Kufner again for joining us to give us a, a taste of what's happening in Rhode Island related to TCI. He's an environment reporter for the Providence Journal. Alex, thank you for your time today. Thanks a lot. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today's show produced by Carmen Baskoff. Our technical producer is Kat Pastor. You can listen to Where We Live anytime on your favorite podcast app. Tomorrow we'll be off for Juneteenth and we'll bring you special programming uh, during this time slot. Thanks for listening.